Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Look out, it's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a Chuck E. Cheese, and I love films. As F. Scott Fitzgerald once said, I was within and without, simultaneously enchanted and repelled by the inexhaustible variety of life. Yes, Bo is Afraid is long and exhausting, but it's also endlessly inventive and wild and original and funny and wonderfully ambitious and deserves a lot more credit. Fair enough. I agree, F. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Himesh Patel, Sharon Stone, and even Craig Flambles. But this week is the wonderful comedian, writer, and actor, it's Mo Welch. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you get extra stuff from all the episodes. You get an extra 20, 25 minutes of me and Mo. You get a secret from her. You get videos. You get all sorts. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So, Mo Welch. Mo Welch is a brilliant comedian, writer and actor. She's been doing most of my stand-up dates with me on my tour that I'm doing in America. She's been opening for me. She's far too good to be opening for me, but somehow she's agreed to come along. She's fucking brilliant. If you've never seen her, you should check her out. She's got a special coming out in December called Dad Jokes. We recorded this in a hotel, in person, in real life. Can you imagine that? It happened. Anyway, I really think you're going to love this one. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 275 of Films to be Buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by an actor, a writer, a comic book artist, a artist, an exhibitioner a comic stripper, a TV writer, a creator, an originator, an opener, a middler, a closer, an incredible stand-up, and most of all, one of the best stand-ups currently working in the America regions of the world. Here she is. She's 
amazing. She also is a Sketco. She does it all. She's a hero. She's a legend. I can't believe I managed to wangle her onto the podcast. Please welcome to the show. It's the one and only. Here she is. I can't believe it. Can you believe it? It's Mo Welch. Oh my God. What an intro. Thank you. I am here with Mo Welch. We're in New York City. The strike has ended. Yes, it's ended. Congratulations, I Saga. can finally yeah. act again. I am here in New York City doing my stand-up tour show. My work has been opening for me. Mm-hmm. My work is a fantastic, wonderful comedian and far too good to be opening for me. And somehow, basically through some nefarious shenanigans, I've tricked her into coming on tour with me. And uh, she's sort of doing so well that I might have to fire her soon. <laughs> anyway, here we are. We're in a hotel room <laughs> in New York City. How are you, Mo? I'm great. I, this is the best gig ever. I'm so excited. I mean, New York, we just met We just met Pink. I mean, like, that was crazy. Pink, Pink came to the show. It was one of the greatest nights in, of all of our lives. I imagine she does look at stand-up and she's like, why are you not moving more? Yeah. Because I mean, in her show, she does... Why aren't you hanging upside down? Trapeze. Yeah, it does look pretty lame. And also, neither Mo or myself are massively movers on stage yeah, and say so we take up about a meter of stage yeah. we <laughs> could really do it like on the steps up to the stage <laughs> <laughs> anyway lovely to see you now you do comedy i do comedy yeah you do writing i do writing you also what is unique about you i think is that you also draw yeah and you're you're doing a show or have done a show tell us about the show with the drawings i was last year i spent all year putting together a show where I could have my art happening behind me as I spoke. So I had to have the the words had to be like word for word. And I couldn't mess up any word because the word would like trigger the drawing behind me. Did you trigger it? Hour. No, I had somebody doing it for me because right. it was like it was too much to, to yeah. do all of that. Yeah, weird. I started to draw like I used to be an artist like when I was a kid and then I gave it up. And then when I was like turning 30 at this moment where I was like, I'm going to draw, like I was like kind of at rock bottom and I drew this comic and then I just kept drawing that character that became Blair. Um, it looks like you. Yeah, it's Did just you? like a depressed, it's like an older Daria. Yeah. And I just kept doing that every single day. It helped me get out of the rock bottom and then I was help me write jokes again can i uh share something with the listener that you showed me and if you want to cut it we can yes i think it's a truly beautiful thing my showed me a picture of her daughter on a bed and on the bed is a pillow behind the daughter's head and the pillow is a pillow from my's childhood when i was five mm-hmm. and it's a drawing that you were asked to do by your mom yes self-portrait mm-hmm. and it's a portrait of a, a very simple drawing but very good clear drawing of like a slightly sad clown yes you were five years old uh-huh and the elements of that five-year-old drawing i think are in blair yeah and it's really amazing i never know. even put that together but yeah that makes sense my mom is a seamstress she's an electrician by trade but she's a seamstress and she had us do a self-portrait and then she copied that and she didn't make any changes wow. so i have blonde hair and a clown mouth and then the clown flower coming out of my head, a dress and no arms. It's so interesting. That's yeah, what you drew. She is. just said, draw a picture of yourself. Yeah. Wow. And then look at us now, clowning yeah. around. <laughs> clowning around NYC. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, that. So you're touring with me, which means you leave behind your, your wife and, and baby. Yes. Uh, for much of the week. High five. <laughs> <laughs> High five. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, I know. People are always so worried about that. It's so funny. No, I mean, you're always talking to them, right? You talk to them yeah, all the time. Yeah, of course. And you know how it is. It's mm. like there's weeks where there's no shows at all. And then it like comes back and, you know, it's ebb and flow with my wife is in the industry and she's a writer. So some days she's like on set forever and then I'm there. So it's just. That's exactly like, Wow. Yeah. You've absolutely nailed it. One last thing we have to talk about. Something about a little special you want to tell us about? Oh my gosh. This podcast, you're just trying to prop me up, aren't you? Just try, well, I have to be careful. I don't want you to become so successful that you will never open for me again. No, so. I doubt I'll be successful. Okay, um, that's the spirit. Yeah, it's kind of like, I like this. <laughs> um, it's actually a choice that I'm not as successful. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a special called Dad Jokes coming out on Veeps, which is part of Live Nation. And it comes out on December 10th. And it's not quite a normal special is it Maya? No, like it's a, a docu. It's a docu. And you special. have a funny story about. Um, a Did you ever watch Comics Unleashed? No. Uh, it's on in the hotel room. Like I, honestly, like tonight it'll be on. Okay. But it was it was one of those shows where they'd have four comics on, and it was on forever, still syndicated, and it's just like that. They're like, so you have you you don't like to be on an airplane, do you, Brett? You know, and then you just then like, it's not seamless at all. Like yes. That's great. So you're, you're special. It's kind of different, huh? <laughs> it is different. <laughs> It's a docu-special, so what happened, I mean, I, I realized in the pandemic, I have all these dad jokes, jokes about my dad, mm. and I haven't seen him for 20 years. And so the whole conceit of the special was first just a documentary. It was like, what if I go tell all these dad jokes kind of on the road in shows and at the same time go travel to see my dad for the first time so that I could like get some new dad jokes. <laughs> and it ended up being an hour special. Did he know you were coming? Um, or did you surprise him? Well, you'll have to see. <sighs> we'll have to see. Does he even show up at the end? Oh, God. <sighs> when do we have to, how long do we have to wait? December 10th? Yeah, December 10th. And if you want to fast forward, it's probably like a minute 52. <laughs> you fast forward through all of it. <laughs> Skip to the end. All oh, right. Yeah. Oh, what's with? oh, I got it. Yeah, I don't need these jokes on the way. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, shit, I forgot to tell you something. God, this is mad. I haven't told you this because we've been hanging out a lot. You'd think it would come up. And I just haven't. I think it's partly that I haven't found the sort of right time to say it. But it's also, I just keep forgetting it as well. I get caught up in the present, I guess. You know what I mean? That's good. I think it's good, but it also is like bad when you find out what I haven't told you. I think you're going to be a bit annoyed. But because I could have told you yesterday. Well, I'll just say it. I hope you're not offended, but you, you've died. You're dead. God. Sorry, I thought you were going to say I was fired. This is, <laughs> this is, this is amazing. <laughs> You're dead. Wow. Dead. Wow. Dead. How, how did you die? I don't want my death to be funny, no. but have you ever seen Frasier, yeah. Kelsey Grammer fall off the stage? I have. I find it very sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you die. That's how I died. It was on tour with you. And it was a very high stage. Is this why you don't move at all? This is why I don't move. Because you, yeah. you, you foresaw your death. That's why I stay in that one foot square. <laughs> so you just took a wonder. You put I'll move about a bit. Yeah. <laughs> There's, a, oh my God, I, wait, I have, to, I have to send you this clip of this comic. I've have you seen it? Seen it? Yes. I can't believe that's real. Yeah. Because of what his 
Because what, what he was saying. saying, he was he was just talking about pegging. <laughs> just imagine like the part of your set where you're like kind of like, well, this is like gross, but I'll get through it, and you fall off and become viral. That so yeah, I was telling. I have this new joke about um my my bush going through TSA, and I was pretty nervous about. It telling that joke because people don't really want to hear about that. And right in the middle, I fall off stage <laughs> to my death before <laughs> so the punchline. Great yeah. at this point either. It's the point. Yeah. It's the point yeah. of the show where people are like, wait, where is this going? Yeah. Like, where's Brett? I don't, <laughs> can she <laughs> introduce you, Brett? And, you fall off stage, boom. smack your head in the seat on an audience member? No, it's like, there's always like a chair right there. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of like scissored it in a way where uh-huh. it kind of, yeah. What sliced you up the middle? Sliced me right up the middle. It's the best the show. <laughs> Until you split part in two parts. Yes. And I was like a snake where they were still moving. Oh, wow. Part of me was still like had still the microphone. Push, 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 push. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. What did I do? This is brutal. Just came on and did the show, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you can't leave. Can't let people that you I mean, it's a hard act to follow. Yeah. But yeah, they paid to see you. Yeah. But did they sort of quietly sort of clean you up as I? Yeah, they're just like just the out. opener. There's I, many more openers. In I New went York. just just ignore the snakes. Yeah, the two sides of my that are still slithering on the floor. Can we turn off her microphone? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, it's not the worst way to go. No, I prefer it if you. I made it like I just did on a banger of a punchline. You weren't in the middle when they felt awkward. I know. Shame to leave them with that. It but, feels. In but my I don't nature. think that will be their takeaway. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think they'll forget that they, that they were weirded out about your bush stuff. I don't know. I think maybe the headlines are going to be like bush, bush comic. Comic. <laughs> bush comic splits herself. And then you're going to have to tell them. It was actually like, it wasn't completely true what she was saying. Um, yeah. It was more of a joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Guys, listen, we're all going to miss my bird just for her legacy. I think it's important. You know, her bush did not set off an x-ray machine. <laughs> Okay, that's that's what I said. Yeah, it was just it was a joke, and then <laughs> and then there's this whole other movement about truth and comedy, and like it was an emotional truth. Yes, and I get in trouble for that <laughs> post mortem. God, this is so complicated. So political, mm-hmm. your death. I can't believe it. It is political. Do you worry about death? Yeah. How much? I think a fair amount more in COVID. I feel like I would wake up in the middle of the night worried. But yeah, sometimes like in these hotel rooms, you're just like, you know, we're comics on the road. But luckily, we're not like huge partiers. My neighbor in the room next door is. Oh, really? A real party guy. Do you know who he is? I don't, but I know he likes parties. He's a DJ. He's a DJ. Yeah. A DJ, yeah. Yeah. So you worry about dying alone in the hotel room? Yeah. That's why I honestly think that's kind of why I will fall asleep sitting up a little bit. In case you... I don't know. No, I'm just like, I don't think I can die halfway <laughs> for some reason. Like like the elephant man. Yeah, I'm just like, that. Like I'm like, you know, I'll be like this and I'll be like on TikTok and then all of a sudden I'm just like sleeping like this. <laughs> it's like, for some reason I'm like, well, if I'm propped up, it's almost like a yeah. choking hazard. Like, well, if I'm yeah. propped up, I can't die. I think that's true. Yeah. No one died sitting up. No one's ever died sitting up. No. Or standing. Do you worry more about death since you've had a kid or or the same? When did you first start worrying about death? Do you remember? Well, when I was 12, I stopped going to church because I would go to the cemetery and I kind of just 
I don't know, I think I was aware of death. And I was like, wait, all this shit they're talking about can't be real. And people are really just dead in the ground here. And so at 12, I really was like, okay, it does happen. So you have to make some goals. So hang on. So you think there's nothing when you die? And you thought that when you were 12? Yeah. You think that it's just blackout? Yeah. Silence? Mm-hmm. Nothing? Mm-hmm. Nothingness? Nothing. Yeah. You, it's hard. You really think that? You yeah. You imagine? I actually yeah. do think that. Yeah. Wow. But I would love to be <laughs> proven wrong. Well, guess what, buddy boy? You're wrong. Oh, my God. It's amazing. There's a heaven. You're welcome, despite your abhorrent views <laughs> on death. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm welcome. You're welcome. Because it's all, it's all love. I found out this podcast is just like a church. <laughs> it's like a cult. Convert. Yeah. You'll love it here. There's a heaven. You're welcome. It's filled with your favorite thing. What's your favorite thing? Films. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it? Oh, I thought that was... <laughs> I thought we were improvising. We, we, um, what is my favorite thing? My family? I think you're going to regret that. Yeah. Right, you come to heaven. It is absolutely jammed, packed with your family. <laughs> it is nothing but your family. It's your family everywhere. Amazing. No, that would be a nightmare. <laughs> it's what you chose, and I'm happy for you. So all your family are there. Yeah. All of them. Yeah, great. And there's, like, replicas of them, and they're cloned, and they're everywhere. Everywhere okay. you turn, there's your family. Welcome to heaven. They're all excited oh to God. see all your family in heaven. All of them. Yeah. That's all that's there. Yeah. That's Just hell. your family. Yeah. Right? Hell is in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> hell is a, a layer you of heaven. It's your family. Okay. Heaven. Mm-hmm. Welcome to heaven. But you're wishing for nothingness. <laughs> they're very excited to see because they're your family and they love mm-hmm. you. And they've all missed you. And they want to talk to you about your life. And they're like, well, we know a lot about your life. Maybe it's with your family. We know everything about your life. But what we don't know is about your life through film, necessarily. Some of it they probably do know. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. to catch everyone up, the first thing they ask you is, what's the first film you remember seeing, my work? I mean, you're going to love this, The Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah, I'm going to love it. Yeah. That is a great opener. It was the first movie I saw in the theater. Wow. How old yeah. were you? I was, I want to say I was five or six. And my mom brought us the movie. It was my sister, Michaela, me, and Sandra. And she brought the three of us to the movie. It was like a huge deal. Because yeah. we were really, really poor. And we get there. Which cinema is it? Do you remember? It was uh, It was in normal Illinois. Maybe. Yeah. And she... Sorry to interrupt. You have five. five there's five. Which yeah. number are you in the five? I'm the second. Okay. So at this time, there's only three of us. Okay. She brought us there. It's kind of an iconic story. I mean, it was like such a formative story for me. During the credits at the beginning, the movie hasn't even started yet. My mom was like, we're leaving the movie, the very first movie. (laughs) Why? And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, Michaela pooped her pants. She literally shit her pants in the movie theater. We were probably eating something bad. And we had to leave the movie theater. She got her money back, though, because there was, like, that deal, if it's, like, been within, like, 20 or 30 minutes, you can get your movie, oh, really? your money back, at least back then. Yeah. Yeah. So she got her money back. But the worst part of the story was that I laughed so hard in the back of the station wagon that I shit my pants, too. And then, so it was, like, truly, like, we had diarrhea. It was disgusting. 
So I go to the bath, like the second we get home, I run to the bathroom and everyone's just like banging on the door, but they never knew until I told it instead. Like I did this story for like a Conan thing. And then they're like, you fucking shit your pants. <laughs> the whole time you were shaming me. <laughs> it was my first. Yeah. So your first memory of film is another page. Yeah. Did you yeah. go back and see Little Mermaid? I'm, we must have waited until it came out on tape. But it was the, it, you know, everyone, I had a sleeping bag and everything. It was all Little Mermaid for me. Do you have PTSD now when mm-hmm. you go to the cinema? I mean, I don't really go to the movies. Yeah. yeah. It's probably linked. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is the film that scared you the most? Do you know the film Fire in the Sky? I fucking do know that film. Okay. I saw it and I think about it a lot. It was a film in the 90s. Yes. A- based on, it had D.B. Sweeney in it, and it is about a true story of an alien abduction. Yes. And it was abducted by aliens, his story, mm-hmm. told very straight and for real. I've seen it, terrifying, tell me. So my dad had no filter on what he was like. He he didn't have that thing where it's like, oh, I should turn this off, there are like little kids in the room. Right. And there, there's a part in that film where the aliens clamp his eye like this and then put goo in it. and my entire life after watching that, I couldn't do eye drops. Like my mom would have to like put her knee on my chest in order to put eye drops in. Like when you get pink eye, <laughs> it was so terrifying. There, you know, there's some movies where you're like, "Why am I so afraid of like something in my life?" And yeah. you realize it's just from a film you've watched when you yeah. were a child. Freddy Krueger was the same because my parents had a waterbed, oh, and right. he had come out through yeah. the waterbed, and I'm just like, it's terrifying. Yeah. I wonder if these things are good for us. I think you're yeah. right. I've I... been fucked up by so many films. Mm-hmm. And it probably changed the course of my life. Because you're like, what is real? I'm sure I mentioned this on the podcast before. There's a film called Frozen. Not that one. The other one. And it's about three people stuck on a ski lift. Like the, the right. resort closes down for the weekend. And it's like Friday night and they're high up on the ski lift. And the whole film is the three days of them like trying to survive in the, as they're being frozen alive. And there's That's terrifying. scene in it where... One of the guys is like, this is a spoiler, so skip ahead if you want to see Frozen. One of the guys is like, maybe we're not that high. Maybe one of us could jump down and get help. And the guy jumps down and there's a shot of his legs when he lands on the ground and like his bones oh, shoot no. out his thighs. I think about that every day, yeah. probably. I'm now scared of legs. Yeah, <laughs> scared of legs. What a twist. <laughs> No, 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 I go skating all the time. I've been stuck on a lift many times. <laughs> but legs, terrible. Legs. They could just suddenly pop out. <laughs> it's so horrible. And genuinely sort of loops like a trauma where I'm like, that didn't happen. It was in a film. Yeah. But I see it. No, there are things, yeah. And even in love stories, you just go like, wait, how much How much of love is actually real uh, yeah. or like a romantic situation? And how much is it like us playing films in our head? All of that, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I think it's number two. That's yeah. Like number two. Yeah. Do you like being scared? Yeah, I like horror films. Right. Yeah. What is the film that made you cry the most? Are you a crier? I am. Do you cry in normal life? Uh-huh. On the daily? No, no, no. I can go a while without crying, but it takes like a, a movie to make me cry or a TV show. Anything that has like anything to do with being a mother now any film, any scene in a TV show, I'm mm. crying. Especially if they're like, you know, it could just be a character to be like, you know, moms work hard. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. It's like, so I'm such a sucker now. 
But I did cry at stepmom. I like I really oh, remember yeah. bawling at stepmom. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. But that film is designed to make you cry, right? Yeah. I didn't cry at stepbrothers though. <laughs> stepmom. <laughs> Woo. And I was a kid when I watched that. So I remember and then it's like I can't watch it. Now I know I'm like, I'm never gonna be able to watch that film. No. I'll cry. Who would you get to be the stepmom if you were dying? If you knew the night that you were going to fall off the stage and be split into oh, mm. oh god, I want someone Sam can really mm-hmm. get along with. Who's it going to be? Do you think Julia Roberts would be great? Yeah. Um, but she seems pretty straight. I'd love Rosie O'Donnell to come in. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think she'd be a great mother. I think she would. Yeah, she's already got some kids. So, Melissa Etheridge changed it. Sorry. Yeah, Melissa Etheridge. Yeah, done right. That's mm-hmm. a Okay, well, we'll let her know. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. What is the film that people don't like? It's not critically acclaimed. You love it unconditionally. You don't give a shit what anyone says. Well, a lot of my friends like this film, but I don't think Rotten Tomatoes does. Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. Love it. Yeah, it's like comics love it. And most people do, but uh, I, I just know it's like not critically acclaimed. And I'm like, I watched that movie. And also any of like those SNL movies that had such yeah. bad Rotten Tomatoes scores, Superstar, uh, Night of the Roxbury, like any SNL character film I like fucking loved. Would you like to do one of them? Yes. What's the character, Larry Bird? Yeah, Larry Bird. I want to be Larry Bird in an SNL film. <gasps> yeah, Winning Time is cancelled on yeah. HBO, so I think there's room. For the next Larry Bird? Yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand, 
what is the film that you used to love? You loved it so much. And then you watched it recently and you thought, I don't like this anymore for various reasons. I mean, honestly, it's like anything with violence is mm. hard to watch. Like, I haven't seen Casino in a while, but like that sort That's of hard. film, those are hard to watch now where like when I was watching them for the first time and I watched Casino hundreds of times. Right. Yeah. And now I think like the violence thing gets to me a little more. What, cha- what changed for you? I mean, it's not just like being a mom. I think I'm just like, Jesus, like I fast forward through all yeah. of the violent stuff. I feel the same. Anything with like sexual assault too, I'm just yeah. like fast forward. Yeah. Like Kill Bill, I'd have to fast forward that like the scene. The buck. The like, yeah, the yeah. buck of it. But then I like, and Kill Bill is hot. Like, I mean, those are like, you know, it's like one of my favorite movies. And mm. it's just, I love how the, the blood sprays. So it's not as like believable, you yeah, know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I really don't like watching people get hurt. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I guess it's got worse. Does that get older? Yeah. Is it just getting older? Or is it the world is scary? And I think it's gotten more believable the way that they make the films. Yeah. 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 The production value is just better. That's true. What is the film? that means the most to you not necessarily the film itself is any good but the experience you had around seeing it will always make it special to you my words this is another formative it's like i'd love to say something that i watched with you know my wife but there is a formative experience that's <laughs> different <laughs> so i it's not poop but it is body so my junior high boyfriend, we went to the Lake Theater in Oak Park, Illinois, together, and we saw Gattaca. And it was such like, um, you know, like going through puberty sort of moment where I was so nervous and I like had a sweating problem. So I was like sweating. And it took me the entire movie of Gattaca to move my hand from my body all the way up his shirt. and to graze his armpit to see if he had any hair in his armpit. <laughs> and it took the entire film. And I'll never forget it. It was like the inching of my hand from my body to his armpit. Why, why, we, what, what did you want out of there? It was just like my me. version of feeling him up, I guess. I, I you were had, hoping he had hair? Yeah, I was it? trying to see because I was like, oh, I want to, like, like, basically, is this. Yeah, is, is he going through, yeah, puberty yet? I think I was just fascinated with guys with armpit hair. And what happened when you got to the armpit? I'm pretty sure he did have armpit hair. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happened? And then we saw another movie. I can't remember what movie we saw, but we saw a double movie. Oh, wow. And then since I knew, I probably... Did you put your other hand up as ever when you were just holding it like a baby? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I have a boyfriend! <laughs> But it's such a formative experience. It's not. Did you kiss? I don't even know. I mean, like, look how long it took me to get yeah. to his armpit, which is a classic. But that's also like ticket. Was he like? He's he probably didn't even notice the like the like climb. yeah the climb. Was it like up his shirt sleeve? Yeah. So you're like awkwardly yeah. in his. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bold move. A move no no, no other no 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 other girl has ever done that. But that was that was a little bit of like the fun and the problem with like not having a lot of information and not really like, you know, we didn't have like a home computer or anything. So I was just like, I think this is what you do. <laughs> but I'll never forget Gattaca because of that. That's a great answer. A perfect answer. Why mm-hmm. did that guy? He joined the military. Yeah. And shaved his armpits. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> what is the film that you most relate to? My words. He got game. I love that film. Yeah. Tell me everything. One of the like films I've watched the most in my life, for sure. I think you know my dad was in prison when I was little for a while. I didn't know that. What was yeah. he in prison for? My uh... stealing oh. TVs on multiple occasions. What did he do with them? Resell them or bring them home? I mean, he had to drop them. Right. Run, oh, so not get away. Okay. Yeah. Did you go visit? No, I was little. Yeah, I was like baby, and like my dad was off on work release when I was. What What is the word I'm looking for? Old enough. No, when they had sex to have me. What oh. was the word I'm looking for? Oh, conjugal rights. Yes. Oh, what? So, like, your mom came to like a caravan at the prison and they had sex. Yeah. And she made you. Yeah. They made you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, so, so that's how I came in the world. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. So I didn't relate. I mean, I didn't relate in a big way, but it was just like, it was there, and I love basketball. Yes. Like, did. it was just like, every minute of my teenage life was just watching basketball. And there was like, something to the, f- like, I love watching a movie where it's like somebody you wouldn't expect gets to like, fulfill a dream like that. Did I think you want to play basketball? Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, you know? no. I mean, you could have, like, I thought I could have, but no, there was no way, ever. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a love of, basketball keeps you in the moment, and I think I was just, like, addicted to being in the moment like that. You still, eight, don't you? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You still. I'm bad now. I'm like Larry Bird in his last year. I'm just, like, on the sideline, my back hurts. (laughs) I'm so bad. Do you tell me something yesterday that I don't understand, that you love basketball, you watch basketball time, but you don't have a team? Yeah, it's it's technically the Bulls, but like, yeah, because I worked in sports before comedy, I at one point was like, why am I following these like basically kids like trying to fulfill their dreams? And I I just felt like, you know, I need to like stop paying attention to these kids and like actually go find my own dream. And then a part of me is like, I know we were talking about like just like the allegiance you have to a team. Mm -hmm. I feel like such a lone wolf in a way that like I have no allegiance. I don't even have allegiance to Chicago. Like I have, Mm -hmm. you know, like or to like a comedy scene. I feel like I don't like that anyone could claim me because and it's like an outsider thing where I'm like, well, you didn't want me then. So, you you know, you'll never have me. You never have me. Chicago Bulls. Yeah. Meanwhile, if they now go back back. You can't have me. Now you can't have me. That's on you. <laughs> I get that. That's interesting. All right, then. Here we go. What's the sexiest film you've ever seen in my work? Blue is the warmest color. Yeah. I mean, some of the lesbian films, mm-hmm. people will say, yeah, but it was, it was directed by a man, and you can tell. And you can tell. Mm-hmm. And that is a film where I'm like, I'm kind of glad it was directed by a man. Like, in some parts, I'm like, I'm kind of happy, though. You know? <laughs> Can you be any more specific? <laughs> I think I know what you mean. Yeah. Perhaps the listener would like some more information. I'm trying to think if I can... What's the telltale sign of a lesbian film directed by a man? If you said, if you're watching a sex scene and mm-hmm. you're saying, is that really how it's done? Oh, okay. Then no. <laughs> That's the giveaway. Yeah, you're like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> there's also a lot of, um, there's a lot of tension in lesbian films that one didn't have as much, I thought, and I liked that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, lesbian films. I mean, the, this is you know directed by a man too, but like Carol and Tar was different. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That's a woman. Yeah, that one's a woman. Yeah, yeah. but the tension, the tension oh, is the high. Tension is yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. I love. Yeah, I'll probably talk about that one later. Okay. That's a, 
I mean, it's a fucking great film. Mm-hmm. I, I feel sad because he has a troubled backstory. The, act, the actors didn't seem happy with how they were how it was made. Oh, really? It's very sad because it's such a good film. That is sad. I and didn't do so any research. They're so brilliant in it. And it's beautiful and it's very sexy. Yeah. Well, there are other, like, there's something about Mary. I mean, there are a lot of movies <laughs> that, uh, Adventures of Babysitting, like, where yeah. you just, like, the lead is, you know, yeah. enough. Elizabeth Shue with a trench coat, for me, I was like, I mean, mm. that was enough. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. Mm-hmm. Subcategory. Traveling bone is worrying why dance. A film you found arousing, but you didn't know you you should think you probably shouldn't have. Cool. I mean, that's a lot of That's a lot of films. That's a lot of films. That's a lot of like Yeah, com- right. Oh, you know what? Like Pearl Harbor. <sighs> I mean, it Which totally depends when yeah, you're aroused. That's the hard part about those films. It's like, guys, this is about war. Mm. And then there's like a full on sex scene. To keep the ladies interested. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. She's beautiful. Yeah. He's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's a great film. There aren't a lot of films where it would surprise me. Like, most films have sex scenes in them or sexual tension. <laughs> so, Pearl Harbor's your answer. It's great. Yeah. Never come up. Never come up on the podcast. Okay, good. What is objectively, objectively, objectively the greatest film of all time? My words. Okay. I have a comedy. Uncle Buck, to me, is my favorite film of all time. Beautiful. And then Goodfellas, which I'm sure you've heard a million times. That's... Yeah. That's... I mean, I can even say that. I'll never cut that. You know, I put a list on the homework of films that I talked about. I'll never put Goodfellas on that list. Yeah. I love it. I'll never... You can talk about it all you want. It's incredible. And then from something more recent is Parasite, because I watched it a... I've watched it a few times now, because I just keep finding myself watching it again, and I love it. So good. Yeah. Hang on. Goodfellas and, and Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck. What a double bill. Uncle Buck. I mean, there's nobody better. John Candy, like when I think the fact that he's not here on earth anymore really bothers mm. me. Yeah. But he fell off a stage doing stand up and oh, everybody knows that. It's the great, you know, the end of Uncle Buck. He's in the kitchen kind of hiding while the mother and the daughter are having their moment. And I rewatched Uncle Buck recently. And the mother-daughter story is what gets me crying. Really? Is the, I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. It holds up. Yeah. Loved it a lot. But at the end, John Candy, like, accidentally, like, knocks down all the pots. And I laugh so hard. Like, you think I've never seen comedy before. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so good. I remember a lot of that film. Like, like that stayed with me mm-hmm. in the same way that the legs coming in, the snow did. But in a better way. In a better like way. Like, him on the phone. Do it. Do it. All that. It's so, we had a car like that growing up. So I'm like, it's so relatable just having this like nasty car. It sounds like there's like a bomb going off every time you park. We, have we had a John Candy replacement? No, there's no John Candy. Yeah, I don't think. John Candy's acting, a thing that can make me cry like that in 10 seconds is the end of Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Yeah. I can watch that without having watched the rest of the film and I'll still cry. Yeah. Just that scene. He's an incredible actor. That's the thing. Yeah. He's incredible. Yeah, like anyone who's like super comedic but can like get you to cry like that. Mm, he's really yeah. special. Mm-hmm. And boy, likable. Oh boy. So likable. So likable. Lovable. You love it. And Uncle Buck has it all as uh, what's his face? Macaulay Culkin, yeah. Gabby Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah. Power tools. Power tools. <laughs> A bowling ball on his head. Bowling, yes. That guy, I'll never forget the moment where that, that guy in the bowling alley was like, 
being cool with his toothpick and then go on the top of his <laughs> mouth like a Dorito. <laughs> and I'm good fellas. Good fellas. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So I mean, good. my my high school boyfriend was like very okay. Italian. No. Okay, no. Yeah, he wishes. Yeah. I didn't have, we couldn't go to that many movies. We <laughs> figure out what else was going on with our anatomy. Uh, no, I had like this like super, he was like 100% Italian, I think. Mm-hmm. And he loved all those films. And then so I just got really into them as well. And uh, so it's so good. I mean, Goodfellas is the Goodfellas best. Goodfellas is the best. Yeah. And I think it's interesting you bring up Casino because Casino is the one that is too violent. Yeah. I find it. I, I, there's scenes in that I can't watch where I'm like, I don't know, we need to see this baseball bat constantly hitting this guy in the head. I don't think we need to see that. Yeah. We don't need to see. This is too much. Do it is. And honestly, I haven't seen Goodfellas in a couple of years, so I'm curious if it would make I think Goodfellas is not that. I mean, it has nasty stuff in it, but I don't think it, like, it's moving too far. Like, Casino is like, there's bits in it that revel in it, seemingly. Right. And the violence in a way that is really like, stop. Stop it. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> You're like, put down the pen. Yeah. But it's brilliant. Having all that horrible stuff. Yeah. What is the film that made you laugh the most? Uncle Pop is. Okay, you can have it twice. I can? Yeah. Okay. That's it's probably going to be Uncle Buck because it keeps giving. I yeah. keep watching it every holiday season. So. Okay. What is. We don't have to be negative. So we'll do it quick. What's the worst film you ever seen? I really like bad films. You know what? I can't watch any of the like Avengers or like all of that stuff. I'm gonna put them all in a category together. Um, but like all of those movies, I can't watch them. Yeah. Have you watched any of them? Yeah, I've watched them. And I don't want to point out any specifics because to me they're all the same. I'm just like, oh my god, when is this over? Like it's just a genre I cannot get into. Mm-hmm. So to me, if it's like, if you made, if you sat me down, you're like, you have to watch this, like, Avengers or whatever. Yeah. I'd just be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I just can't do it. Avengers or whatever is a really funny title. Yeah. Avengers <laughs> or whatever. And it's like, like, I keep, I keep feeling like when I'm on a plane, I'm like, when just watch AI, one of them. When AI fully takes over and there's three billion properties, there will be a... This is Avengers or whatever. Avengers or whatever. <laughs> it's like three hours long, all the characters. Like, yeah, and I don't like when all the characters get together. Mm, you want everyone lone wolfing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I get that. Yeah. You don't want everyone teaming up. Mm-mm. Enough with the team ups. Yeah, it's just like, aren't they from like different worlds? I just don't. It's like, it's mm. too much. Like, it's too much to have that many heroes. <laughs> Come on, let's make it believable. Yeah. <laughs> uh. What is the film you could or have watched the most over and over again? Is it Uncle Buck? I mean, yeah, of course it's Uncle Buck. Second place? Let's see. Second place, um, but I'm a cheerleader. I'm just going to, I'll bring in all the lesbian movies here. Please. Yeah. But I'm a cheerleader is a great film and I love watching it because it reminds me of being in high school. And uh, I think Wes Anderson saw, but I'm a cheerleader and took a note. Interesting. And I don't, have proof of timeline but i'm like when jamie babbitt made that movie it was like so cool and artistic and you know i wonder if she continued to make movies in that way with like that sort of production value if if she would have been like i mean she has a great career but like she would have been like wes anderson (laughs) how old were you when you had your first experience with a woman if i may ask i was actually kind of late to the game yeah i was in my 20s 
It was after I started comedy. And if we can, uh, and, so, and previous to that, you you didn't you thought about it a lot. No, no, I didn't. Just thought, I like armpit hair. Yeah, <laughs> that's my thing. I had long term boyfriends, and I was um, like, maybe it'll kick in at some point. I was like, maybe I'll really love these guys at some point. I'm just like waiting for the kick in, <laughs> and uh... then. And then comedy like broke me open mm. in a way where I think I like saw the world differently and like was able to feel things finally. Because yeah. I was so happy. Like, yeah. like, yeah, just like blissfully unaware of anything up until comedy. And then I was. With your boyfriends just kept shaving their arms. Yeah. Skin. These big bodybuilder boyfriends. <laughs> smooth skin. It's smooth skin. Yeah. When your skin's smooth, that's all right. Yeah. If you have like one extra hair on you, that's obviously. <laughs> disgusting so <laughs> yeah so a lot of these and i remember seeing that in high school but i'm a cheerleader mm. and then some of these films like the l word is a tv show yeah. it's like i didn't watch that until i was already out and so i i kind of got to consume all of anything that was gay like later when you had your first experience were you like oh yeah okay immediately actually like a girl at a bar in denver was like someone said she was interested in me and I was like I it was like the concept was so foreign to me I'm just like what are you talking about what do you mean interested in me and then I think like for the next week I'm like my god like my heart is like pounding cannot wait to go back to Rock Bottom Brewery in (laughs) in Denver yeah no Uh, no, it's like a chain oh okay yeah we saw it Mm -hmm. yeah that's wicked yeah yeah, it's fun to to you know. I'm kind of happy in you a way that you I you weren't with a, with a boyfriend when you had this discovery. Where you you broke. No, I had missing. a boyfriend. Oh, you yeah. Did? Mm-hmm. So then, did you go to him and say, "Oh, big news"? No, I was just like, obviously, my comedy career is taking off. I'm doing <laughs> open mics in Denver. I'm like, obviously, I don't have time for this relationship. You seem really into the outdoors, so I think we should go our own way. And I remember he, he was like. Yeah, but comedy is a hobby. And I remember being so offended. And uh, keep in yeah, mind, open mic comedian. I was so no, offended. You were right to be. Yeah. I was like, you're out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not just because I'm gay. Yeah. Actually, that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's all because you don't think that my open mic career isn't going anywhere. How long did it take you to adjust? That's so interesting, though, to be that late. Was it like a week and then you're like, hey? Everything's cool. It makes sense. Was there any like struggle? Like, does this make sense? Yeah, it went back and it went back and forth. And like, I talk about in my set, I haven't, uh, maybe I will tonight actually. You know, when I came out, I had some jokes already about my boyfriend. And, you know, like when you're first starting in comedy, those first five minutes are gold and you don't have anything else. And so I wasn't out partly because I was just like, I have these jokes. Like, what am I going to do? Rewrite my whole set. You can't just change the name to a girl's name. There's all these dicks in these jokes. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. No one's going to believe my girlfriend's 6'5". That's part of this joke. (laughs) What a life. But it is uh, people who knew that they were gay, like, you know, my age, like, you know, in early 2000s or whatever, knew that they were gay. I feel for them in a way because it's like I didn't even realize all of the, like, that all the films are so heteronormative and then mm-hmm. like every love story you know yeah, yeah. that it's so niche to have a gay love story especially back then and like all the advertising is for a heteronormative you know world yeah and so i'm happy in a way that like i would you know i was like <laughs> fucking ignorant and just 
<laughs> living with my boyfriend. Thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. I'm like, wait a second. This is different. And then it was fun to consume all of, like, any gay media that I could get all at once. Like, That's you know, at 23. Just being, like, a week. Just, like, watching we, everything. We, like, like suddenly very like, sentences about it in bars, just smoking. Just talking about really obvious references. You ever seen Ellen? <laughs> I'm like, that's so funny. It reminds me of an Ellen bit. Uh, <laughs> so when you're in the dressing room. <laughs> my only reference was Ellen. <laughs> Guys, do you watch Ellen? Yeah, we've seen Ellen. Yeah, fascinating. So you did go back, back and forth before you fully yeah. committed. Yeah, yeah. I had, yeah, you know, back in the in the early days, I was just kind of, it was just like dating around though, really. It was never like boyfriend. It was like, old flames that sort of thing mm. yeah until i could get that get more material and then i was off to the races <laughs> it's good to see you again mate, all these men yeah <laughs> I, I still still can't, can't really knew you're gonna have to just show up at this gig with me for a couple of times <laughs> yeah i've got i got like three more shows and then i'm ready yeah. <laughs> if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mo, you've been wonderful. 
as expected. However, when you were opening for me and you were, you haven't quite a good, you, like it was going well, I'd say you'd done 10 minutes, they warmed to you in Uncle yeah. Buck style. Mm-hmm. They thought you were funny and lovely and charismatic and they were really into it. And then you started talking about your bush setting off an X-ray machine and it made them, unco- made them uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Dingdale, they, they didn't mind admitting that. Mm-hmm. It turned them off a bit. They were like, they didn't want to think about a bus. Didn't want to particularly imagine you with a bus. Yeah. I think the, the idea frightened them. I think for the first 10 minutes, they've been thinking, she's clearly got no bush. And then you start talking about your bush. I think it changed who you were to them. You suddenly felt unsafe. Yeah. <laughs> I think they thought we are in the hands of a dangerous person. Mm-hmm. And as you were trying to clear up, you could sense it. You're attuned to an audience. Yeah. You could sense them pulling away and being scared, frightened, terrified, mm-hmm. if anything. And you stepped forward. You normally stay very still, but you thought, no, I must come to them. You know, they weren't leaning in anymore. You must come to them as you step forward <laughs> to explain this is humour. Mm-hmm. You don't, of course, you were about to say, of course, <gasps> I don't actually have a book. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that I scared you with that imagery. And you stepped forward to draw them in, draw them closer. But your foot went off the edge of the stage. You hadn't seen the spotlight. And there was a chair. And you stepped forward. You fell directly down. And the edge of the chair had, was quite sharp. Mm-hmm. And it split right up your mm-hmm. your new new mm-hmm. And went straight through your head. Perfect. Split in two. And you, you went... Boosh, 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 boosh. <laughs> and you fell on the floor and wriggled about two bits. Some people screamed. Some people applauded. A few people audibly said, Thank God. We don't have to hear about the bush anymore. I'm at the side of the stage. I got coughing with me, you know, I'm like someone at the back of me goes, Well, the stage where goes, and I come out, I go, normally I come out and sort of hug you as we pass each other, you know, but you're not there. I'm like, I go, Hey guys, round of applause for Mo Welch. And it's like this. <laughs> someone stands up, standing over. <gasps> yeah, which is sweet. And I go, Did you? She's good, right? People go, Just. <laughs> Couple of questions before we carry on. And they go, what? They go, is she dead? And then I look down and I go, oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, she's dead. So more people clap. Another person stands up. And another person goes, I'm really confused. Does she have a bush? <laughs> and I go, I, I actually don't know. It's not really. What I can guarantee is that that was humour that was happening. I'm sorry if it scared you. That's not what we're trying. We're just trying to all have a good time here. And I said, are there any ashes around? And they said, yeah, they come over. But there's like a lot of popcorn and sort of mm. like hard candy on the floor. You're stuck in the carpet, the two sides of you. And so I'm like, oh, guys, I go, sorry, guys, I have got a show. But if we could just, can we put some music on something for a minute? I can't climb down the steps carefully because I know how dangerous that chair is. And I start peeling you <laughs> off the carpet. But you're bringing chunks of carpet with you. People are helping. Like There's now like 10 to 12 people come and peeling bits of you off bits of carpet, stuff you in the coffin. There's more of you than I was expecting with all these carpet things. You're tall. You're taller than yeah. you look. And, uh, and you also were in your Larry Bird costume, which has still, so you're a lot taller. It must And it must be. So eventually, get you in the coffin, mm-hmm. but it's round. It is round. There's really no room in this coffin. There's only enough room for me to slide one DVD into the side for you to take across to the other side. And on the other side, it's movie night every night. What film are you going to take to show your family in heaven when it is your movie night, Mo Welch, go. I don't want to say. <laughs> is it Uncle Buck? Or are you just this is private? 
No, I, I, I don't know if they want to watch Uncle Buck, to be honest. So I'm going to pick Home Alone because <laughs> I know they all love that. It's selfless of you. Is your your heaven? And you really made the mistake of inviting your entire family. Yeah. So maybe you should do something for yourself. Okay. There's so many movies. <laughs> it's like I want to do a John Hughes movie. Mm-hmm. You can. I'm going with Uncle Buck. Okay. I'm sorry. sorry I know, but it's hey, it's your life. when you get on the spot on the podcast, you just forget that there's any like that there's more than five movies. I know, and you did brilliantly. Uncle Buck is a brilliant film, and it isn't talked about enough, and you talked about it enough. Yeah. I did, yeah. Now you're going to put it on your list. <laughs> and nobody can talk about Uncle Buck. Because <laughs> my wife answered it six times. Yeah. Out of uh, my wife, you're an absolute delight. Uh, it's so great for you to do the podcast. I'm so grateful you're on this tour. Is there anything you'd like to tell people to look out for and watch or buy? Or please, please watch. I mean, follow me on Instagram for, for my art at Momo Welch and watch Dad Jokes when it comes out. Uh, on December 10th, just follow me on Instagram for updates and um, see if I meet my dad. Spooky. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, mate. Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful day. Uh, I'll see you tonight. I'll see you in part two tomorrow. Keep your feet firmly on the stage tonight, please. (laughs) Thank you. Good day to you. That was episode 275. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra secrets, questions, and video with Mo. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's a lovely thing to read and it helps numbers and it's really appreciated. Blah, 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 blah. Thank you so much to Mo for being so great. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to iHeartMedia and Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. That is it for now. Come join me next week for another incredible guest. That is it for now. But in the meantime, have a lovely week. And please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other. makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.